All right, if you have your Bible, please turn to Matthew 28. And if that's hard to find, turn to Mark 1. Some of you will get it when you get there. All right. And our text for today will be just the last few verses of Matthew 28. Uh, Aaron, in his message last week, uh, talked about that we, in these first weeks of the year, uh, do some messages that remind us of some things that are foundational to us. So if you've been here on Vision Sunday before, uh, a lot of this will sound familiar. Um, And if you haven't, then welcome and we're So glad you're here for your first Vision Sunday with us. And really our Vision Sunday is a reminder of the mission that Christ himself gave us. And then kind of looking back on the prior year and looking forward to how we believe God is leading us and we're eager for him to be at work among us. So that's what we're doing today. Last week Aaron reminded us of the value of every life that is made in the image of God. And today we're being reminded of the mission that Christ himself has given us. So this will be a little different uh, from what we usually do in this time. Uh, We won't just be looking at one text. Uh, Those of you who've been with us and everyone here is in that category, uh, you know that uh, usually we're in Acts and Lord willing we'll start that up again in a couple of weeks, continuing our series there. But for today, uh, our text, Matthew 28, and I'll read verses 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all All that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you now thankful that we can call you Father because of the work of your unique Son. Would you amaze us again that we are your sons and daughters by your grace? And would you help us as your people to live for your glory. We thank you for this great commission. We ask that you would stir us up again today by way of remembrance of who you are and what you have done for us. And your own presence and power to fulfill what you have commanded us. And so, Spirit, would you meet with us now? Would you help me to say what I should and not what I shouldn't? That you'd help each of us as we respond, that we would respond with humility, with repentance, with faith, with eagerness to live for you who gave your life for us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So on this Sunday, we're reminded of our mission, and we've summarized here, this great commission, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, we've summarized it like this. What is our mission? Jesus 
has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end of the age. And so we're going to do a quick walk, like we do every uh, Vision Sunday now, quick walk through this statement. It's just a summary of what we just read in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, that Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end of the age. We have been made worshipers of God. Danny pointed out earlier as he was leading us through Psalm 67, right? That it's our desire, it's the desire of the psalmist there. Let all the peoples praise you. And the good news for us is that we are included in those peoples. The good news has come all the way to us and we have heard it and we have believed. And we are sons and daughters of the Most High. Before we get to where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do, this is who we are because of Christ and his grace toward us, because of the love of the Father toward us, and because of the Spirit's work in us. Before we think about, oh, I need to do all the things, which isn't exactly the message anyway, Jesus has done it for us. He has saved us. And through someone, most likely, that good news came all the way to you, all the way to me. And we have become part of those peoples who praise the Lord both now and forever. Part of those who will gather around his throne singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. To receive wealth and might and honor and glory and blessing. That has happened to us by God's grace and for his glory through faith in Christ. And now it is our joy as his people to see more people and more peoples come to know his saving power. So Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples to the end of the earth until the end of the age. The first word there is Jesus, and it's all about him. He gave his life for our sins, and he is the one who has given us our mission. We now exist to show and tell how great a Savior Jesus is. When we think of all these ethical commands of Jesus in the Gospels and in the epistles, in the letters to those first churches, they all flow out of that amazing truth that we belong to him. Why should we do the things we're told to do? Why should we not do the things we're told not to do? It's not just because, well, these are right and that's wrong, though that's true. It's because we belong to him who saved us so that we are no longer slaves to our sin. We are no longer slaves to our own way of making life work, which is no way of making life work. And we belong to him. Jesus 
is the king who will rule in righteousness and peace forever. He alone is our hope. He's the one we trust, not ourselves. No matter how long you've been following Jesus, we never get beyond the need for God's grace. There's never a point where we cross over and now it's because of all the things that I do that God is pleased with me. It is always because of what Jesus has done. He's the one we trust. He alone is our hope. And as he says here, all authority has been given to him. And what does he do with that authority? He gives us a job. He gives us a commission. And so this, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and what we also find in Mark and Luke and John and Acts, this is our mission. This is what should move us. This is what we must be about. When you think, what is my life about? Our life should be about this mission because Jesus has given it to us. So what is it? Jesus has sent the whole church. He sent the whole church. When we talk about that here, what we mean is that this mission is not just for the twelve it's not just for those apostles at the beginning. It's not just now for pastors or those we perceive as having the gift of evangelism. It's not just for some super Christians, the extra spiritual ones. You know who they are, right? And whenever we're talking about this, if, if there is a special class, you know, I'm definitely not in it. Like We excuse ourselves so easily. It's for those other people. It's not for some super Christians, pastors, missionaries, whatever. It's for everyone who is a disciple, everyone who's a follower of Jesus, everyone who belongs to Christ. It's for every Christian. So it's for the whole church, and that's what we'll be, to give something away, that's what we'll be talking about later. It's for all of us. So it's not just for a few Jesus has sent the whole church to do what? To do the whole mission of making disciples. And we're using that to capture the idea of making new disciples and maturing existing disciples. That's what our mission involves. Sometimes we can think the mission is evangelism. We've got to go and tell people about Jesus. And when we're thinking that, we're not wrong. When we're thinking it's only evangelism. Let's just get it so that people believe in Jesus, and then, okay, we're going to go, and now some other people are going to believe in Jesus, and now other people are going to believe in Jesus, and then we just kind of leave them there, because, well, at least they're going to heaven anyway. We have missed half of the Great Commission. It is certainly about making new disciples, and we see that in the text here in front of us. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You get baptized at the beginning. That's what we've been seeing and what we will continue to see in Acts. People hear the good news about Jesus, they believe it, and they are baptized to demonstrate that they are trusting in Christ. They belong to him. They don't belong to themselves anymore. They belong to him. And that's the beginning of our journey in following Christ. And so that's the part in here that's about making new disciples. What happens when people believe? They get baptized. 
A disciple is one who knows, trusts, loves, worships, and follows Jesus. And so we want, by God's grace, more and more people to know the saving and renewing power of Jesus through the good news of his life, death, and resurrection. That's right. And we want that to happen locally, and we want that to happen globally. What did we read repeatedly there in Psalm 67? Let all the peoples praise you. And peoples isn't just like plural people, right? Peoples already plural. So what do you do with that? It's like it's the, it's the plural of people. Is it just more people? No, it's that there are peoples all over the earth. Different groups of people to whom the good news will go and to whom Jesus has planned for the good news to go through us. So it's about making new disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then verse 20 begins, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So when we're talking about the whole mission of making disciples, we're talking about both of those things, evangelism and what we would more commonly think of as discipleship, making new disciples and maturing existing disciples. Because followers of Jesus aren't meant to just hear the gospel, believe, and keep on living their life the way that they lived and then go to heaven when they die. Followers of Jesus are meant to mature. And according to Jesus' commission here, we're meant to mature through learning, right? It's teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's not just to acquire knowledge. It's to learn of his love in such a way that we want to obey his commands. Not just so that we know a lot of stuff and can throw theological terms back at each other, as fun as that is to do. It's so that we would walk in obedience to Christ's commands. And as we know, it's a lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus, learning to love like he does. So Jesus has commissioned the whole church to do the whole mission of making disciples, making new disciples and maturing existing disciples to the end of the earth. As commission is worldwide in its scope. It's to all nations because Jesus, as we learn in Revelation, has purchased by his blood a people from every tribe, every tongue, and nation to praise him forever. It's his kingdom that will last forever. No nation here on earth will last forever, even this one. His kingdom will last, and it will be made up of people from every nation, people who have heard and turned from their sins and trusted in Christ. It's to the end of the earth and to the end of the age, to the end of the age. The last part of verse 20, we have an amazing promise, because this is a really big commission, right? This is a big job. We can't do this, and no individual Christian can do this. No individual church can do this. 
Even all the churches in the world working together couldn't do this. Right after this huge command, he says, Look, (laughs) I am with you always until the end of the age. And at the end of the age, that's when he's coming back for us. So he will be with us all our days, all the time that this commission is operative for us, that these are our marching orders, that this is what we're supposed to be about. He has promised that we do not do this alone. He is with us. And he is with us by the Holy Spirit. So we can fulfill this great commission. Not because we're so great, but because Jesus himself is with us by the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what he has commanded us to do. Isn't he so kind to us? He doesn't just say, do this big job. I'll be over here taking a break. I've done my part. You do your part. We'll see you. See you on the other side. He says, I am with you. We have his presence and power. He's promised to be with us on mission until he returns to make all things new. And so this is our mission, to make and mature disciples at home, on our block, in our neighborhood, in our city, in our nation, in our world, to the end of the earth and to the end of the age. And so more specifically for us, Grace City exists to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ who celebrate, proclaim, and display the gospel as a community of believers in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we seek to live out this commission that he has given to us. That we are his witnesses. That this good news is not just for us, as Danny said earlier, not just so that we would praise him, Yay, but so that others would come to know and love and praise him too. So we want to make disciples. We want to mature disciples, not of ourselves, but of Jesus Christ. And what do those disciples do? What do we do as his disciples? We celebrate the good news that we were lost, but we've been found. That we were dead, but we have been made Alive, that we were blind, but our eyes have been opened to see the beauty of Christ in the gospel, and one day we will see his face. We celebrate that good news, and we proclaim that good news to one another when we're struggling, and to those around us who don't yet know him. But we don't only tell, we seek to show. That's the idea of display the gospel. What a tragedy it is when the church says Jesus is the great Savior and acts like he's not. Acts like someone else is the great Savior. Acts like comfort now is more important than what we have with him forever. We can undermine the message of our lips with the message of our lives. Because the people we know, the people on our street, the people at our kids' school, the people that we rub shoulders with, or however you rub from further away, working from home on Zoom meetings, 
at work. They are paying attention to you. Oh no, it's no big deal. But especially as you are known as a follower of Jesus. They have thoughts already about what that means. And they might wrongly read some of those onto you. But we want our lives, whether they're reading wrong things onto us, or whether they're just saying, the only thing I know about Christians is what I know about you. (laughs) No pressure there, right? We want to show them, not only tell them, that Jesus is the great Savior, that he is our only hope, that he is all we have, and that he is all we need. Now, none of us does this perfectly. I didn't do this perfectly the first six and a half years that we were here and I was working at the insurance company. It's not, well, here's this perfection and everyone needs to do it. One of the ways that we can show that we're really different, rather than becoming defensive when we've done wrong, we can admit it. That's different from the world, right? (laughs) That's different from what we would do naturally, right? We can actually, when we've wronged someone at work, we can ask for forgiveness. Now, they probably won't know what to do with that because no one's ever done that at work before. Unless it was a subordinate begging for a job. Not to be lost in the moment. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not that kind. But I do belong to Jesus. And when I said that, I was unkind. I was uncaring. And that's not like him. Will you forgive me? After they pick their jaw up off the floor... We don't know what kind of response that will get, but I think it's worth trying. Our showing that Jesus is our Savior isn't just by our perfect lives, which is good because we don't, we don't have them. But we also don't want to use the fact that no one's perfect as an excuse to just continue in our sin or sin the way that everyone else around us does at work. Like, well, this is just how it works in this business. But that's not how it works for us anymore. Right? It's like, well, this is it's just the way it is. You don't understand. I understand. I've I've been there. It doesn't have to be the way that it is. We have an opportunity to be different because Christ has saved us by his grace. And we don't live for now. We live for then with him. And the fact that we live for then with him changes everything about the way that we live now. We are, as he said in Acts 1-8, his witnesses. We are the ones who will testify about him. We want our lips and our lives to tell the story that Jesus is the great Savior King. So we declare that Jesus is Lord of all. And we show that Jesus is Lord of us. We exist to glorify God by making and maturing disciples of Jesus Christ who celebrate, proclaim, and display the gospel as a community of believers in the power of the Holy Spirit.
And so at this point, we're going to say yes and amen, hopefully, and take a look back at 2021. Like, where have we been as a church? How has God been at work? And then take a very brief look at some ways that we believe God wants to lead us in 2022. By his grace, in 2021, we got to celebrate with five new believers in Jesus who followed the Lord in baptism. And so we praise the Lord for that. He is still saving people, and not just kids. Not that it's nothing when kids trust in Christ, because that's a miracle too. And we're grateful to baptize our our own children, saying, God, you have saved them by your grace. And we are grateful for those who are further along in life and into adulthood and realizing, hearing that good news, that's what I need. I'm trusting in him. I'm trusting in Jesus alone as my Savior. So we're grateful for both the kids and the adults who've come to faith in Christ. It was five this year. And perhaps God's been working in you, even as you've been hearing this message. You say, well, I believe in Jesus. You talk like that's sort of like something that happens near the beginning, and it is. So if you haven't yet followed Jesus in baptism, 22 can be the year that you follow him that way, that you obey him. Do you help us obey this great commission in testifying, I belong to Jesus by his grace. So we were able to do that last year. Last year in the second half of the year, we were able to help Grace City Church of Frankfurt get a building. That was so exciting, and there's still so much work to do for that, but we just want to look back and say, God has been so gracious to us in providing for us in such a way that we can provide for them. And so we gave them a generous grant, and then on top of that alone, to be able to do the construction work that needed to be done on the building. So that was really big for us. Uh, We're grateful for how God worked in each of you as we were discussing that over several family meetings and praying together and voting to do that. Uh, We're so grateful uh, for the the questions, the comments, everything all along that way in that process as we were sharpened and able to sharpen them and, and support them. We were also able, again, with some more travel available than there was in 2020, um, I was able to go down to the Dominican Republic for several days and encourage the church there as they're getting ready to plant a new church. Uh, I was in touch again with Carlos this week on the other side of the holidays, and they are getting ready to launch that new church, uh, Grace City Church, which may be familiar to us here uh, in Santo Domingo. And their launch Sunday is going to be at the end of this month. So today's the ninth, right? I'm a little off, as I imagine almost everyone feels at this point. Today's the ninth, so three weeks from today on the 30th will be their official launch Sunday. They've had several meetings with those who are interested in being part of the church already, and they're getting ready to launch in just a few weeks. And so we'll continue to pray for Ciudad de Gracia, the new church that's starting, but then also Pacto de Gracia, the church that we've been praying for and walking with for years. Um, They have voted in 
uh, the new pastors. And so they are in place, Johnny and Leo, who were being raised up for that purpose, and then also some deacons. And so they're, they're getting their structure in place, um, but we pray that God will continue to work in them as they've had significant losses going out to be part of this new work. And so we're grateful for the opportunity um, that I was able to be sent to go down for a weekend and help talk them through that, encourage them, also help them with the realities of like when people move away, they really do move away. Um, and yet it's worth it because of this commission that we've been given. So we were able to help Frankfurt support the DR. We started up another spiritual formation class, the second edition of that this fall. VBS in this summer, uh, we had 75 kids in the first through sixth grade classes who were part of that. Uh, when I got that number from Richie as I was asking him for some stuff, I'm like, hey, let's, what can we do for the year in review? I'm like, wow, that's a pretty high number, especially for this last year and starting up VBS again. So we're grateful for that opportunity to invest in children, to speak the gospel to them, hopefully to show them from our workers the love of Christ, then also for them to be memorizing God's word, memorizing catechism question and answers that tell us truths about him. This fall, our ladies' ministry did a new thing with the Women and Word Conference um, that, again, we were pleasantly surprised at the numbers for as 40 ladies uh, came out for that, for that Friday night and Saturday to be encouraged in how to interpret and how to go deeply into God's Word, and that was a great time for the ladies together. We relaunched our Grace for Kids classes, three to five, and then six to nine, with a lot of new volunteers, and a lot of those volunteers are here or are watching at home. Thank you for those of you who've started working in our children's ministry this year. Um, it might feel small, and it definitely will feel at times chaotic, um, but it is worth it to tell these little people, who won't be little people for very long, what a great Savior we have. So we started with lots of new volunteers and some new leadership of that as my wife Stephanie is coordinating both the three to five and the six to nine classes. And so it's, it's been a lot of work. I know for you guys getting on board, it's been a lot of work for her putting things together and coordinating things, uh, but I think our children are benefiting already uh, from the ways that you are serving them, and we are so grateful. The youth group did Psalms Project 2.0 this year, which implies exactly what you think it would, that there was a 1.0 last year. Uh, so we had the 2.0 version of that, the kids reading through Psalms. I'm so grateful for Chris and Kim and the others who are working with the kids, Jimmy and Tabea and Jeff and Sue, and they're challenging them to be in God's word. That yes, they have some great activities too, and capture the flag was fun, and nobody even died, which was awesome. That was all, when I was a youth pastor, I had a very low um, bar for activities. Like, we brought everyone back that we left with, but the thing is, parents really, especially now being a parent myself and seeing three of my own kids go on these activities, I'm fine with that bar, as long as it's always, always, always met. And so they've, they've met those goals, 
and even more. I think the kids even had fun along the way with a bunch of the different activities, but I'm especially grateful for how they've been encouraged to be part of what the church is doing. So seeing on the youth calendar, church work day. The kids might not be thrilled about that, but I'm glad those types of things are there. And probably like half the workers we had for the workday were kids. And then it gets a little challenging on like how many 12-year-olds can we deploy to different places around here? But I'd much rather have them here serving along with us adults than thinking the real work of the church is for other people. So I'm so grateful uh, for you guys working with our kids. So there were several points they were encouraged to just be part of the church, show up to this, and we'll also do a youth thing along with it, but come. And then they also had this fall in their classes downstairs, they had training in evangelism, as many of them are on their street or in their school, interacting with those who don't know Jesus, we're saying, okay, what can they know that they need to know to not only be shored up in uh, their own faith, also able to share their faith. And so they were memorizing nine passages of scripture that tell us about who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and our need to respond to him in repentance and faith. So, so grateful for the youth group and all that they were able to do. We restarted after a a break, um, an understandable break. We restarted the welcome lunch, which has been huge Uh, sometimes more than 70 people downstairs, and we've ended up kind of turning those into a couple outside things in the fall so that even more people could be there, and we're so grateful for those who are serving in that ministry and the vision to start that up that came from the Chipmans a couple years ago, and then how so many of you have, have jumped in with that, said, yeah, I'll be there, I'll make things, we will make this happen, so that those who are coming to us and getting newly connected with us can have a venue where they're being fed, they're getting to laugh, and getting to know some people in our church. And we're grateful that some people who started out as the, the guests at those welcome lunches are now the ones who are part of the team that is serving and welcoming other people into the church. So we're so grateful for how God has worked, and I'm sure I left a lot of things out. You can't say in a few minutes everything that has happened in a whole year, but we're grateful for how God is at work. He has not left us alone. He is keeping his promise. Even toward the end of the year, We had a couple different opportunities, uh, one with Afghan refugees and one with AlphaCare to give, and you did. The first couple weeks, you know, any drive, I guess, works like this, but the first couple weeks, you're like, well, there's the area. Uh, Are we going to have to, like, use some money from the Benevolent Fund to supplement this? And then by the end, it's like, how are we going to get all this into one vehicle to take it down to help? So thank you to those of you who gave to that. So as we think about going forward together, the main thing I want to communicate today is this. What's our vision? We must use our varying gifts from the Spirit to build up Christ's church for the good of others and the glory of God. We must use our varying gifts from the Spirit to build up Christ's church for the good of others and the glory of God 
of God. We don't know what all opportunities will come in 2022. So I'm not here to tell you, here's all the ministries we're going to do or all the ministries we're going to have in 2022. That's not what we're doing today. At the family meeting in a couple weeks, we'll talk about some of the ways that we think God is leading, but we also want to be flexible and we want to be ready for whatever opportunities God brings to us. At the beginning of 2021, we didn't know we'd be doing a drive for refugees coming from Afghanistan, right? Because that hadn't happened yet. That wasn't happening here. We didn't know there'd be hundreds of people new neighbors coming to us from the nations that we would have an opportunity to serve. And so when those moments come, we don't go, well, that wasn't on our list. We don't go, we we already have our vision for this year, and there's no room for people like that. It's like, no, that's not how we want it to be. We don't want to continue any ministry just because we've always done it. And we don't want to start any ministry just because the pastors think it's a good idea. That's not how ministries happen here. By God's grace, we want to see each one's gifts used to meet the needs and the opportunities that are presented to us. As a church, we can't do everything. We're not that big. There are some churches that are really big and like, we have a ministry for everything. Their list is so long. It's like, wow, that's amazing. That's not us. And we don't have to pretend We don't have to try to be that. What we can do is ask, what are the gifts that are present here in the church? There are a few things we must always do, right? We always need to have God's word as the center. We always need to give God praise in song. We always need to keep gathering on Sundays to be reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done for us through the gospel. There are a few things that we are absolutely required to do in our worship of him and in our mission. And then after that, there's a whole lot of flexibility in how that gets worked out and what particular ministries we do here. And so even if you've been here for a little bit maybe and you go, well, none of the ministries match up with my gifts. I really have gifts and desires in this other area that this church doesn't seem to know about or care about. And I know there's a need right here in our part of the city related to that. Please come talk with us. That's how most of the stuff we're doing happens. I mentioned the welcome lunch. That started two years ago about this time. As the Chipmans were, who are pretty welcoming people, you might have noticed. Um, Right? I see that. Thanks, Sue. One response at least. Sorry, Woody and Melissa. They saw a need for our church to grow. And instead of going, boy, those pastors need to get it together. I don't know why our church has this problem. And if we had better leaders then, right? Instead of doing that, they said, hey, we have this idea. It may not even, like, do you agree on this issue? And then we have this idea. Maybe that's not even the right thing But if it is, we'd be willing to do it. And if there's something else we should be doing, we'd be willing to do that too. Let us know. We're like, wow, yes, this is amazing. We think that's a great idea. Here's some people that we think would be really helpful to you with that. And how can we support you with that? How can we announce it? How can we promote it? What can we do? 
And by God's grace, many of us have benefited from that ministry. It didn't start in a pastoral team meeting. Those are important, but that's not the place where all the good ideas happen. That's not where all the wisdom is in our church. That's not where all the gifts for sure are in our church. Jesus has sent the whole church to do the whole mission. And not just for the whole church to follow some kind of directives from us about what kind of church we want to be. There are a lot of things that are settled about the kind of church that we are. But there's a lot of flexibility in the ministries and the mission that we do. Some of you will remember now five years ago, which is amazing, when we had the opportunity to take on the Kalaji family, a Syrian refugee family. And that that happened fast, right? We'd been talking about mission in the series that we were doing, and we're talking about ideas, and maybe there will be something, and then all of a sudden there was not just an idea, an opportunity. It's like, are we going to take this opportunity, or are we going to leave it? Yes or no, this week. Like, we don't have a system in place for that yet. We don't have a structure. It's like, okay, and systems and structures are good and important. But more than having a system or a structure or some idea on papers, like we actually need people who have gifts and availability and are willing to use those gifts to serve other people. And by God's grace, that's what happened. I, some of you will remember, I got up on a Sunday and said, hey, we believe the Spirit's leading some of you to come to a meeting that we have never announced before because I'm announcing it right now that's going to be right after church today. And here's the kinds of things that you'll be doing. And we need everyone to decide this week because we have to let them know by Saturday. And we need like 10 people to come to this meeting. And enough people came. Some of you. And you served. Some for a week, some for months, some for years in serving this family. And I'm not here announcing here's, here's the next one. But the next one might be coming in like a week or two or five. I don't know. So I want us, by God's grace, to keep being that church and to grow in being that church that's eager, that's ready, when there's a need, when there's an opportunity to meet it. And a reminder that you may be aware of needs and opportunities that we're not aware of as the pastors. And so as members, as full participants in the life of the church, you can say, hey, here's this need, here's this opportunity. And sometimes it'll be, yeah, we'll start something up. Sometimes it'll be, let's connect with something else that's going on already, and we'll send volunteers like to Grow Northeast, where we don't really have the resources just in us to, okay, we're going to do ESL classes all week here. We're not. But for those who are saying, oh, man, I'd really love to serve that way. It's like, well, there's a great ministry. Hey, and one of our members happens to be the director of it. So talk to Sue, and you can get involved. And we've had so many of you over the years serve there. And some who have even said, well, this is weird. Like, I came to see how I could serve in the church, and I'm at this whole different other church all the time serving people. And so, well, we're less concerned about, like, saying we have a ministry for this and more concerned about every member using the gifts they have to serve in the ways that God has called them to meet the needs that are right in front of us. We must use our varying gifts from the Spirit to build up Christ's church. Paul in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 likens the church to a body and the members of the church to parts of the body. 
And his emphasis there is that everyone who belongs to Christ is part of his body and has been given something to do. In 1 Corinthians 12, he's talking about how you know, the hand's not the most important or the ear or the eye. If you didn't have the nose, you, know, you wouldn't be able to smell. And it's like, that's not, especially on some people's faces, it's not that glorious to be the nose. But it serves, sorry, that was bad. That was not in the manuscript. But it serves an important purpose, right? Some of you who've lost your sense of smell for a period of time or for a long time in the last couple of years, you know what I'm talking about. You go, I liked when I could smell things. That was cool, right? You can tell how good food is, and that food is even being prepared. You can also tell when something dangerous or awful is happening. And that's a gift from God. And the point isn't to figure out, I'm the nose of the church, right? Or I'm the, the right pinky of the church. That, that's not the point. The point is that every one of us has a part to play. That each member must serve in the ways God has gifted them to fulfill this great commission. We have different roles. So it is for everyone, and there's a sense in which we should all be involved in word ministry to some degree. We should all know the gospel, and we should all be able to share the gospel with one another, to use the word with one another, and to use the word with our neighbors. But there will be some who are gifted in ways that aren't word-based, and that's actually where we have some needs in the church right now that we'll be talking about at the family meeting in a couple weeks. But Romans 12, I just want to read a few verses from there. Romans 12, beginning in verse 3. Paul, after this long exposition of the gospel, this glorious exposition of the gospel in Romans 1 through 11, in the first couple of verses of Romans 12, tells us that based on all this, these mercies of God, what God has done for us, we need to offer ourselves, our bodies, as a living sacrifice. And then right after that, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ." and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, pretty much all of these gifts in some place in the New Testament are also commands. We're supposed to contribute and be generous, but there are people that have a gift of being those who contribute and being generous. And that tends to be the one, if we're looking at the list, it's like, Lord, give me that one because it means I'll have to have a lot of money. One, it doesn't necessarily mean that. 
And that doesn't get any of us off the hook in the call to be generous and think of our resources as belonging to God and to be used for his glory. We're all called to exhort one another every day while it's called today. But there are some who are especially gifted in exhortation. We're all called to be merciful. And yet, the last one there is the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so we have gifts that line up with the things that Jesus has already communicated to us that he wants to happen in the church. Isn't that, again, so kind of him? He promises to be with us. And then the things that he's told us we're supposed to do, he gives us gifts. He gives you gifts that line up with something that he has said needs to be done. He commands it to happen. He commissions us to do it. And then he gives us the gifts that we need to get it done. What a wonderful Savior. But notice that there's no spiritual gift of sitting in the seat and watching on Sunday only. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Now, certainly, come and gather with the church on Sunday. This isn't like, well, Sundays aren't a big deal. They're a really big deal. But they're not just a big deal because of what happens up here going out there. It's one of the reasons that near the beginning of our gathering, every Sunday, after we have the reading and the prayer, the reminder that we are saved by God's grace, Before we go back to singing, the pastor or leader who's leading that time says that we believe that God intends to work through ways that we've planned and ways that we haven't planned. So if you believe that God has given you a word, a testimony, an encouragement for the church, go and talk to one of the pastors at the back. We don't just say it because I gave the guys a script a couple years ago though, right? (laughs) Why do we work off a script in that moment? And it's not the exact wording, but I think I was kind of close to what gets said. It's because we believe it's important. It's because it's not just through the ways that we've planned and the people that we've already planned to have up front leading. It's that we believe that God intends to work through all of us by his spirit, and not just to come up to a microphone. I could never do that. Well, pray about that, please, if that's what you're thinking. Uh, But also, it's not just for upfront. Do we come on Sundays ready to be members of the body of Christ? Not just members in the sense that, like, I bring my offering and I drop in the box. Not just members in the sense that I come and there's a lot of people for Rob to preach to and that'll be cool. That's not what's important. Do we come ready to encourage one another, to pray for one another, to bear one another's burdens, and in so doing, fulfill the law of Christ? We all have gifts from the Spirit that we are meant to bring to the table that'll play out on Sundays, that'll play out in our small groups, that'll play out in planning, in leading, in holding the building and the property together, in being merciful toward our neighbors, in helping out one another. We all have gifts from the Spirit that we are meant to bring to the table. And so many of you are doing this so well. 
So please don't hear this as like, oh, I mean, I thought we were trying to do this, and he doesn't seem to think that anybody's doing this. No, I know that so many of you are. And that's a big part of what makes it such a joy to be one of the pastors here with you because of that spirit. Because even that story that I tell about Woody and Melissa, they're not the only ones who are doing that. They're an example that I can point to and most people know about it, but they're not the only ones saying, I have this idea, I have this thing, what, what do you guys think? Is this what I should be doing with my time that I want to live for Jesus? And how can you guys support us with that? And it's like, we love to have those kinds of things happening in our meetings. It's such a joy and such a gift. So many of you are doing this so well. Praise the Lord. Don't grow weary in doing good. And for some, this may be a year to switch seats, to take on a new role. There are different kinds of gifts from the Spirit and different opportunities to use them. So we can't do everything, but by God's grace, we want to be prepared to utilize the gifts he has given us to meet the opportunities that are presented to us. We want to know our gifts from the Spirit and use them. That was the exhortation in Romans 12. It's like having these different gifts according to the grace that God has given us, let us use them. So if there is a word of exhortation today, it'd come in this question. Are you using the gifts that God, by his Spirit, has given you? Are you using them to build up the church? Are you using them to bless your neighbors? Are you using them for the good of others and for the glory of God? And whatever our gifts, they must be exercised with love because they're not for us. God doesn't give someone a teaching gift so that everyone can go, whoa, great teacher. It's so that people can learn and grow. They're not for us. They're for others. They're for, for God's glory. And we see this most clearly in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. So that's a three-chapter discussion by Paul about spiritual gifts and how they're to be used in the church. But chapter 13 depending on how you grew up, if you grew up like I did, where spiritual gifts weren't especially emphasized, but love was. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. And we have this great um, definition of love, and like, wow, it's amazing love. And it's like, boy, just Paul just thought it was important to talk about love to the Corinthian church. And then as you step back and read it, it's like, why did he talk about love then? He's talking about all these spiritual gifts and how to use them in the church And he stops right in the middle, and he's telling them, like, desire the best gifts, but I want to show you a still more excellent way. And then he says, if I speak with the tongues, where he'd been speaking about tongues, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love. Right? If I have faith that could move mountains, but I don't have love. If I gave my body to be burned, if I gave myself as a martyr, but I don't have love. I'm like a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. It's nothing. And then a few verses after that chapter, as he continues the discussion on using gifts to build up the body, not for ourselves. 
1 Corinthians 14, 12, he says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. May God give us grace this year. Power from His Spirit. Gifts from His Spirit. That we may strive to excel in building up the church. And when we fail to love like this, when we fail to serve like this, let's be humble, ready to turn from our sin, relying on the work of the one who never fails, the one who gave his life for us. I'll close the sermon with 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. As Peter's writing on gifts, says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you that indeed glory and dominion belong to you forever. Would you help us to live as people who belong to you? Who will say with our lips that Jesus is Lord of all and will show with our lives that Jesus is Lord of us. We thank you for all the ways that you have blessed us, that you have cared for us. And would you keep us in this coming year? May we strive together to excel in building up the church so that our neighbors, both near and far, can know your saving power. We pray in Jesus' name.